0: Proverbs and chapter 3. Some of you know that I was a secondary school teacher for eight years. And one of the days of the school year that I found, I would say, horrifying. Here's a day I found horrifying. It was a day towards the end of term, the summer term, just before the holidays started. A skip arrived on campus. It was locker clear-out day all the student lockers would be cleared out. People would bring things home, and any rubbish would be dumped. Soon, whole classes of students, picture it, rummaging through the contents of their lockers, rubbish cleared away, dumped in the overflowing bins, sometimes milk that had been in there all term, and cartons, yeah, don't go there. And good work, it really was locker clear out day. But what disturbed me was, That I would see, too often, whole folders of notes, even books with highlighted words and notes on them, just being casually thrown into the skip, discarded. And in some cases, imagine there's a whole year's worth or a whole junior cycle's worth or senior cycle's worth of teaching and learning notes dumped. And I remember sitting there with my classroom door open, catching the eyes of some of my own students, hoping that the notes and work that I'd given wasn't just being couriered off to the skip. Or if they dumped the paper, at least that something of that learning would stick in their minds and hearts. You see, occasionally, for every single one of us, life offers a locker clear-out day, which has many benefits. But as this key text from God's Word warns us, don't whatever you do, discard the teaching And commandments of the Lord handed down to us taught from his word in fact this teaching from the Bible properly understood properly applied to your life and thought through how it permeates into every facet of the way you live it'll anchor you your whole life with a truly remarkable security that just isn't found anywhere else here are two verses from the Bible that we should read and write down and memorize. Why don't you go home later and do that? Write them down. Put them on the wall beside your bed. Put them in your living room or on your wallpaper. Read them and teach them to their children. Have a look at them from verse 5 of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths trust in the Lord. And that's the central message of this text, this whole book, the Bible, you could say. Any wonder the writer starts with a a kind of start here instruction. Have you ever opened up a new appliance, and there's a little sticker saying, start here, pointing down to where you should read? Well, it's almost like he starts there. There's a start here instruction, verses 1 to 4, and then a call to nurture a life of commitment to the Lord. That's where we're going. There's a start here, and then a call to nurture a life of commitment to the Lord relationship. So here's the start. Here, do not discard. Don't throw this away. Verses one to four. Um, again, you'll have noticed. Have a look at the start of verse one. My son, don't forget my teaching. It's a, it's a father son chat. Really serious. A father calling aside the younger man to warn him not what not to throw out as life gets going and busy and exciting. Adulthood incites, my son, here's what not to throw away. Have a look. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So if there comes a a point in life when there's that skip outside, waiting to hold all the stuff we're finished with, that happens. But you know, skips always run the risk of being filled with the wrong things. Have you ever walked through your neighborhood and seen something absolutely good lying in someone else's skip? That's what the problem with them is. And this father warns his son about getting rid of the wrong things. Here's what not to forget. Here's what to keep. Those words are there. Keep. Don't forget. And what is it? Well, it's his teaching and his commandments, the father's, that is, lessons that have instructed this young person in how to follow the Lord. And he even adds to them. He adds motivation that not forgetting this teaching and keeping it will bring. Did you see the motivation in verse 2? long and peaceful life. Now, here's a side note as we read the Proverbs. We need to be careful. Is this a certain promise for long, secure life for everyone who follows the Lord? Well, no, that's not how Proverbs or wisdom literature works. This is something that is generally true. And you can see the difference. A promise that is true for everybody, absolutely, exclusively, or something that is generally true. And this is what Doug O'Donnell, one of the commentators, says. He says, biblical proverbs offer generalizations without qualifications, about exceptions. Do you see that? There's a general truth here, something to be learned, not exceptions. And there are always exceptions. So this is not so much a promise, so much as a general rule, long and peaceful life. Something that helps us to decide not to discard with the wrong things. Now, look at verse 3. Here, the young person's encouraged not ever to get rid of, and there's two things here, steadfast love and faithfulness to God. Don't get rid of them. Now, you rarely tell your kids to put something around your neck, but here's something that all your children, all these young people, all of us should be putting around our necks. Here's something we should be writing on our hearts. You never encourage children to write on themselves either but do these things what is it well teaching the teaching of love and faithfulness to god the the love and faithfulness to god that the teaching of this father has led them to they should make this something that they carry with them all throughout life don't chuck it in the skip don't just have a commitment to the lord for a semester or for a phase of your life. No, no, for the rest of your life. Carry these with you. This is what commitment's like, isn't it? That's what commitment is. You wear commitment, and we have examples of that in the wedding ring. You wear something for the rest of your life. Now, some of you have been to events where you get a wristband on the way in, and even the most ardent fans of that particular musician or whatever You cut off the wristband a day or two later, even if you were really proud to have been at that particular concert. Eventually, you cut the wristband off. That commitment's temporary, but not the Lord's. We need to commit to Him. It's a whole life relationship. It's a bit more like a ring, a wedding band. And so this teacher moves to make a passionate call for a life of commitment. First of all, don't chuck out these things Have a life of commitment to the Lord. How how does he go? Well, we're in those really familiar verses now. Verses 5 and 6. Have a look at them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's commitment, isn't it? Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Carson makes a really good point that the first part of this verse attacks the independence at the root of all sin. What's at the root of all sin? Independence. I can do it myself. No, the the writer says, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Trust in the Lord. You see, my own ideas are often a bit distorted. Despite the insistence of the newer slogans to trust your gut, have you said that or heard it recently? Trust your gut. Look inside for the answers. No, no. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Now, some might make the case for making their own way in life with the Lord and the Bible as a bit of a consultant. So I've heard this quite often put in, in different ways. So I'm a Christian, right? So it goes. And, and every time I, I, I reach a decision, I'll, I'll check in with the Lord to see what he thinks. I'll read my Bible a bit, and then I'll weigh things up and decide for myself on the best way forward. But you see, that's not what this verse is about, is it? It doesn't take in the allness of this call. Have a look at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your ways. Know Him. Acknowledge Him. Know the Lord. So there's no room for a halfway house of bringing the Lord in as a consultant when you reach a bit of a roadblock. There's an allness here. The Lord isn't a consultant, He's to be trusted know him. Um, You've seen that that translation, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Um, But it's more better probably translated as know him. In other words, know the Lord. And that's about relationship. Nurture that relationship. And, And that means, of course, a willingness, not just to ask for his advice, and then take it or not, but to learn his teaching, to learn his word, and then stick to it, even when those ideas Diverge from your own, or your instincts, or your desires, or what everyone else says. Otherwise, your life will be, well, the, the whole image here is something that might collapse. Lean not on your own understanding. It's the idea of something supporting. Don't lean on your own understanding. It's, it's a little bit like a house of cards. It's going to collapse under you. That's a foundation that will, is likely to give way at any time. Don't build your life on that or even the understanding of other flawed people. Suddenly, I'm back in the classroom. I'm watching the students clear out their lockers again. But you know what this time? Do you know what I'm doing? I'm cheering them on. Get rid of it. You see all that worldly wisdom and understanding that you've been told to build your life on? Chuck it in the skip. No, I'm cheering them on. Take out whole armfuls of understanding that the world thinks is best, that you've been taught, and put it in the skip if it doesn't match with what the Lord says. I'm not advocating waste or carelessness with learning resources. That's not what this is about, but it's a good picture, isn't it? The way all of us need to get rid of understanding that's a bit skewed, unstable. Imagine trying to build your house on all those books laid out. No, no, don't do it. Skip it. Get rid of anything that goes against what the Lord's word says. Trust in the Lord. And how does that work out in practice? What are you going to do? Well, most of your classmates or work colleagues, whenever they decide on something that we think is right, and, you know, they think, well, that's the idea, and they all put up their hands for one thing, And you're kind of persuaded that they're right. But what's the next step as a Christian? Someone who takes God's word seriously? Well, look to the biblical evidence. Get your Bible open and allow it to overrule on your final decision, even if you weren't sure at the time. So when everyone else in your class or your workplace raises their hand on a particular issue, ask yourself, what does God say? What does his word say? And then allow that to overrule. Even if your view appears backward or radical or whatever, if you've carefully searched for the Bible's clear direction, you know it's the right path. Stick to it. Always. That's how we do it in practice. And this is going to happen more often than you think. If you're a student, it's happening every day, every lecture. If you're in the workplace, well, it's going to come up from time to time when certain things are suggested or certain lifestyles are promoted. You're going to have to make a decision on this with God's Word open because you know it's true. It's the Lord's ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Know Him in all your ways and thinking and living. And that's a relationship, and it's going to straighten out your paths. Trust Him. And then there's that recalibration yet again in this book. And this is another time we've read it. Have a look at the next, um, we're just a couple of chapters in, but here it is again in verses 7 and 8 in chapter 3. Have a look. Fear the Lord. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's the lie of the rear-facing camera, isn't it? That I have all the answers and the insight and experience And then I broadcast it. It's quite shocking, isn't it, with our selfie cameras on to realize that the Bible says something else. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't put the camera back on yourself. And and it's almost quite shocking. Look at the second line of verse 7. It almost equates evil with self-wisdom. Have a look at it. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. So often, our own wisdom is actually, well, for want of a better word, evil. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Fear the Lord. We saw that that's the beginning of wisdom, chapter 1, verse 7. And then we saw in chapter 2, it's even the very goal of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. That's the relationship we all need to nurture this year. Are you a Christian? That's the relationship one of a deep awe for the Lord and his words, as well as a close walk, and then all the security and guardianship that that provides. You'll have noticed the motivation. It's really clear, isn't it? It, that is the fear of the Lord, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The fear of the Lord, the healing refreshment that you need heading into another year. So as you bin all those man-made ideas and understandings and leanings, including your own, you shouldn't leave empty shelves, though. I mean, there's no point in decluttering your life if there's only a vacuum in its place, some awful, horrible vacuum. Where's your life headed? No, no. Adding volume after volume of the Lord's words to your inner life. Take on an understanding that excels and learns what the Lord has said. Download his articles. Take his insight in. Fill up those shelves again with insight from the Lord. Listen to those who explain the Bible and apply what it says. Um, You've picked a, a course, a career, a job, a workplace, a home, a marriage partner. But have you seriously embarked on a systematic, thorough study of God's Word, lifelong? You've made all those other decisions And the Bible says, no, no, you need this one as the core decision that will affect all of those other ones. And even if you've made those decisions, come back to a fear of the Lord, a trust in the Lord, and allow that to reorient them. You know, as a church this year, we want to make a greater effort to read and learn God's words. We'll be saying more about it in the next few weeks. But why don't you take that text, verses 5 and 6, or even 5 all the way down to 8, Meditate on them this week. Learn them. See if you can say them with your Bible closed. Verses 5 to 8 or 5 and 6. Read it at your dinner table with the family. Ask them what they think of it. Decide how you're going to follow it. Parents, tell your children how you've had to make decisions to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding. Show them how to make similar decisions. And here's something else, too. Why don't you ask your husband or your wife or a friend how they're getting on in that lifelong relationship, trusting and fearing the Lord. Ask them. Ask them about a life decision that they've made in the last couple of weeks even that required them to change course and follow the Lord, not their gut. Trust in the Lord. Fear the Lord. And now verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Fear the Lord. Honor the Lord. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We've been thinking about practical ways there to nurture this relationship with the Lord, helping each other, trusting in Him, fearing Him. Well, the next step here in Proverbs 3 is as practical as it gets. Few things speak louder than money. And in these ways, in other words, as Kidner puts it, in financial ways, in your financial ways, do you know the Lord? You see, as well as your decision-making, your relationships, your priorities, there's a real opportunity to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your produce. You See, practically speaking, this is the Bible showing us um, that few things will test our commitment to the Lord our trust in Him, our fear of Him, our honor of Him, than this whole area of giving. And rather than giving to the Lord from what's left, after all the bills have been paid, there's a real principle here. You'll have noticed it. The first fruits. That's how we honor the Lord, by giving the first fruits of all your produce. There's that word all again. All your ways. Everything. All your heart. Not on your own understanding, but give all first fruits of all it's interesting how much do you trust the lord the writer seems to ask and and by giving back some of what he's provided but you see psalm 50 and other parts of the bible no it's all his the cattle on a thousand hills it's all god's in the first place and he's given it to you and so you practically demonstrate that trust in him that fear of the lord by giving it back again with the motivation And it's here, isn't it, all over these verses. Not a promise for everyone. This isn't health and wealth if you give to the Lord. No, no. But here's the general principle at work. Have a look at it. It's motivation. Plenty in the barns. Vats that aren't just half full, but that are bursting. And so things come to a conclusion. There's a repeat, isn't there? My son. Um, Chapter 3 began with my son, and now this little section finishes with this conclusion, and it's reassurance. Have a look, verse 11. Um, There's a conclusion on the way here. We can see it. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. It's relationship, isn't it? Discipline, reproof, correction. That's what you want to give to your children discipline. And the Lord reproves him whom he loves, his children, as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. That's the Lord. That's relationship as we trust the Lord. It would be too easy, you see, to bring the Lord's correction out to the skip as well. Allow it to make us bitter. But don't, the Bible says, your life as it goes, as you walk the straight paths the Lord has for you, even trusting him, fearing him, honoring him, Sometimes there's the need for discipline. And the Lord will do that. And that's because the Lord loves his own sons. You're his. He loves you. To trust the Lord means that we mustn't move to do the opposite of trusting. But what's the opposite of trusting? Well, it's sort of despising or rejecting or shying away from correction when it comes. Don't despise it. Because it's him and his signal that he loves us. See, this is our call, isn't it, as a church, as individuals, to a relationship that will define your life. There are some other relationships that define them, as we spoke about Adam and Anna. But here's the relationship that will define your life it's one that will make more than one click followers of us, it'll change us. And alongside the rest of us here in BlackRock, it'll change our church too. It's also a call to discipleship as sons take in the enormity of the Lord's gracious provision for us. So trust in him, fear him, honor him. And yes, look at what he gave. The Lord's provision, yes, everything. But look at what he gave specifically. Look at his provision. What did the Lord give? Well, he gave his Son. He gave the Lord Jesus Christ, as Jesus himself put it, a ransom for many. The Lord paid the price for you. Stuck in a hole, without hope, without God in the world. No, he stepped in and rescued you when no one else wanted you. That's the Lord. He gave Christ. And so what's our part Well, I think all of this is pointing towards a humility that turns away from trusting in me to trusting in him and then gaining everything. Trust in the Lord. Well, let's pray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Father, we cry out to you because on our own we are nothing. We're the ones you bought back. You gave your son a ransom for many, and that includes us. Father, give us a living trust in you that makes that relationship with you the central one in our lives. That anchors all our decisions, not on our own intuition, but yours. That when we're not sure what to do, that we'd go back to you, your word, your people. And we would ask for direction from you, not ourselves. Father, help us to get the skips out this month. And to get rid of all the rest of that stuff that just turns us away, really turns us towards evil. and help us instead to, to build and rebuild our lives on what you have given and done in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to trust in you, to fear the Lord, to honor you with everything. Father, that's our prayer. We cry out to you as your people. And perhaps, Lord, your hand is on one or two of us who may never have thought about this as the way to live. Father, would you prompt them, as they listen, to trust in you? Father, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.